want to begin with reminding us a little bit where we've been, and then Lord willing, I'm going to keep it brief so that we can have some time for discussion. But I've also, uh, no, I won't be that guy. I'll keep it brief. Um, we started the month looking at Isaiah 43, and uh, we talked about the Israelites in uh, exile, living apart from God, and uh, apart from God's promises, and apart from the promised land, and uh, they just kind of existed in this space, and then we looked at the promise in Isaiah 43, um, where, where God says, hey, all that stuff I did forever ago, forget about it. Forget uh, the Red Sea, forget uh, me bringing you out of Egypt, forget about it, because he says in uh, verse 18, he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Then he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We talked about uh, the reality that all of our lives of following Jesus is going to be wrapped around this idea that God is going to be continually doing a new thing, both in us, refining the parts of us uh, that don't honor or glorify him or don't represent him like they should, and he's going to be constantly doing a new thing through us for our communities. Nathan talked about this last week, that uh, there is a world that's hurting and desperate in need of the hope of Jesus, and uh, he can use us as we live by faith to, as he's drawing all people unto himself. Um, and sometimes we love to put parameters on that, like, no, that part of me feels really hard to access, and it feels pretty ingrained in who I am. And I know it might not reflect God's goodness, but I'm not really wanting to touch that right now. That seems like an impossible fix. Or you see your neighbor, uh, and you're like, they're so far from God. There's, there's no possibility. Um, and he, he addresses that. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. So I'm making a pathway, uh, a map, if you will, in an area that's uh, most often associated with wandering. It doesn't make any sense. He's making a way in the wandering. And then he says, I'm making streams in the wasteland. And so we can throw off all our impossibilities, all the stuff where we think, no, it's not possible because God is present in the midst of it. And so we spent the last month uh, just reflecting on what might God be doing amongst us and how, uh, how might he be refining us, how might he be wanting to use us. And we leaned into that, and I'm so proud of us. We so intentionally leaned into that through uh, daily prayer pumps and through challenges. And you guys, it was a, it was a wonderful time uh, to be together. And so as I uh, wrap up that this morning, then we go celebrate uh, by, by feasting together, um, I, uh, I began to think how, again, years, like 2022, 2023, that's like a, that's like a construct. There's like 2022, or 2023 isn't probably going to be any different than 2022. It's just like we mark time. Uh, but it is a helpful construct for us to uh, go, no, there is something new that's happening right now. And so I can lean in maybe a little bit. Maybe this is a time of uh, re-energized focus uh, on spiritual things. Maybe whatever it is for you, uh, now is a great opportunity. So as I thought about how do I wrap up 
seeking God to do a new thing. Because there's really no, like, there's no, like, wrapping up of it. Like, it's not like next week when we dig in, we're going we're gonna to journey through the book of Acts together. Uh, it's not like next week when we dig into Acts chapter 1, God's done doing a new thing. Because that would completely negate everything we've talked about for the past four weeks. That God is continually wanting to cultivate new things inside of us, redeem new parts of our lives. And so as I thought about it and I prayed about it, uh, I don't think there's anything. Here, here's what I came up with. I, uh, I want to elevate the things I'm going to talk about today to some, some em- emphasis, emphasi, emphasis, emphasis isn't a word, emphasis. I want to I want to elevate these things to some focuses that I want our church family to have over the coming year, and uh, this is just cultivated through conversations with you guys, through prayer, uh, through time with the Word, and I just said, God, what are you what are you wanting to do in our midst? And I think some of these might be an invitation um, to to uh, yeah, just stuff I want us to focus on as a faith family. Uh, because here's the image that was given to me. Doug, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I don't, I don't work with steel or metal on a daily basis, okay? Uh, but uh, that made it sound like I do it at all. I don't. I don't it's, it's less than a, not a daily basis. Uh, if, if you had a long beam and you wanted to flex it in half and you just like take the beam and through some sheer strength, you flex it in half. Will that end up well for the beam? Or... Yeah? What, what, what would cause that beam to bend easier? Would applying heat uh, help immensely? Yeah. Uh, you apply heat to it. And when you apply heat to metal, much like a blacksmith uh, or something of that nature, when you apply heat to it, it becomes malleable. You can form it. You can shape it. Uh, if you just take a hunk of metal um, and try and go to battle with that like a, like a sword, it's not going to work out. But through the skillful hands of a modern-day blacksmith, uh, you can make something uh, useful out of it. And as I thought about the season that our church is in, it feels like there's a real openness to what God is wanting to do amongst us. And it feels a little bit like we're coming out of the blacksmith's fire. Like we've, there's been some real heat applied to us. And I'm, I'm hesitant because uh, the invitation from God is like, don't dwell on the past. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and be really intentional and careful going forward, not to dwell on the past. Uh, but it feels like in the season we're coming out of, um, it, we've been in, in a real refining season. That's what happens in the midst of the heat, in the midst of the fire. And so now it might, that, that, we might be out of the fire uh, of the heat, but now is where the, the malleability uh, comes into play. And now's a great time to, to, to kind of take inventory of our gathering, take inventory of our faith family and go, what needs worked out? What needs reshaped? Because now is the time to do it. Now's the time to do it. And here's what I know about my expertise in blacksmithing. <laughs> to mold and shape that hot molten metal uh, doesn't necessarily mean the hardships are over. In my life personally, 
some of the most refining, molding, shaping, the Holy Spirit going, Jordan, have you ever thought about this area of your life? Have you ever thought about how this area reflects me? And you're, and you're how do you do that? You, you beat it with a hammer across an anvil. And so we might be out of the fire. It's been heated up. It's been hard. It's been hot. This illustration only goes so far. Uh, but uh, here's some stuff as I thought about uh, just a, a just a quick glance at stuff that I think God might be wanting to uh, us to focus on as a faith family, and it's going to be hard, and we're not going to get it right all the time. It's not going to uh, it's not going to be perfect. But here's the stuff that I want us to focus on during the season of being able to be molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Thing number one is having a unified family. We have an opportunity to proclaim uh, with our public witness uh, by the way that we treat one another that are represented in this room, and then by the way that we treat other faith gatherings in our, our county, in our community. Um, uh, but we have a real opportunity to proclaim God's goodness through how we treat one another. We spent all the whole month of October talking about this. And so uh, I, I kind of uh, looked at Scripture and said, okay, what's the, what's the invitation from Jesus here? And we receive the call from Jesus to love one another just as he has loved us. We recognize that our unity, how we interact with one another, how we care for one another, our unity testifies to the world God's love and goodness, and we will maintain a spirit of love and unity inside our gathering. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you're followers of me, if you love one another. This is one of those things that we have to get right. We have to get right how we love one another because a world is watching. Here's the second thing. So we're going to be a unified family, and we have to have a faithful presence. We have an opportunity to show that we aren't trying to build an isolated outpost here on the corner of Liberty and Townway, but that we will faithfully show up and share the hope of Jesus with a world who desperately needs us. We receive the call from Jesus to be active participants and reconcilers in our community. We will maintain a faithful presence in the life of the community in order to shine our light in the darkness. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bull. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I do want to draw a quick dividing line. Because here's what I believe. There's a lot of ways that we could go about being a faithful presence in Vermilion County. A lot of ways we could go about it. I don't think this means that uh, to be a faithful presence, we have to go stand in a picket line somewhere. I don't think it means that we need to, uh, to be a faithful presence, really go all in on outreach events, saying, hey, come over to the corner of Townway and Liberty. We got some good stuff cooking over here. I think what being a faithful presence looks like is uh, going over to Adventure Awaits and, and, and shopping. I think what, what being a faithful presence looks like is getting your grocery, uh, groceries at Aldi's. I think what being a faithful presence looks like is playing in the Danville Youth Soccer Association. 
I think what being a faithful presence looks like is going to your job on a daily basis and shining the light of Jesus for all people to see. It's showing up to the places that you're already going and raising high the banner of Jesus. Meaning, the, ban- the, the love of Jesus needs to be working in and through you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but you have an, a lifestyle of abiding, and it is affecting you so much that you're going to the places you're already going. You're not having to do anything special, but when you show up there, you show up bringing the love of Jesus with you. We have to maintain a faithful presence in our community. We cannot, now more than ever, we cannot retreat. We can't go backwards. We have to show up. So, unified body, a faithful presence. I think Jesus is inviting us into a lifestyle of abiding. We have an opportunity to push back against the crazy that we see around us in our world that's looking for meaning and it's looking for purpose and we get to we, have, we get to uh, live restful and calm and peace-filled and joy-filled lifestyles of abiding and spending time with Jesus. Our lives, can, as Jesus followers, our lives can and should look different than the lives of those around us. If the only thing that our lives have of those not following Jesus, if the only thing is showing up here on Sunday mornings, we are doing something incredibly wrong. We can, we can say, well, I give to the church. I give to organizations. <laughs> yeah, guess what? There's a ton of non-faith-related nonprofits. If the only thing that we have is showing up here on Sunday mornings, we have done something incredibly wrong. And so we receive the call from Jesus to remain in him. And we recognize that, uh, this is Jesus' words, we recognize that apart from him we can do nothing. And we will order our lives around the reality of an abiding relationship with Jesus. And that's the refrain over and over in John 15. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And what does he say over and over again? He says, remain in me. Remain in me. If we're branches off a vine and we don't remain in, in, in Jesus and, and we're, we're clipped from the vine, what happens? We wither to nothing. We're worthless apart from Jesus. We have to develop these lifestyles of abiding. And it's, again, it's, if, you're, if you're feeling exhausted by going, I don't know if I can be a faithful presence in my community. Maybe we need to take a step backwards and go, let's start with the abiding. Let's start with the abiding. So we're going to have a united, a united faith family. We're going to show up and be a faithful presence. We're going to have a lifestyle of abiding. And then the next thing is we have to be obedient to Scripture. We have an opportunity to know and live truth in the midst of a world that is desperately grasping for truth. And so we receive the call from Jesus that uh, our love for God precipitates our obedience to his word. So we love God and so we obey God. And we recognize that through our faithful obedience to his commands in scripture, as God's word, that he is honored in our world sees the hope of a transformed life. We will obey scripture. We will obey God 
as the standard for our lives. This is what Jesus says as he's in the midst of promising the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his disciples and he goes, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's as simple as that. If you love me, you will obey my commands. This goes back to what I was talking about in the lifestyle of abiding. We can't say we love God and then not have our lives be ordered around him. We can't say we love God and then uh, not have our lives look any different than our coworkers who are not following God. If you love God, you will obey my commands. This means we need to take seriously the love of our neighbors. This means we need to take seriously our trust in God. We have to take Jesus' commands seriously. I think it was uh, Sky Jathani wrote a, wrote a book about the um, uh, Sermon on the Mount and the, the, what do you call that thing, under a title? Subtitle, thank you. Uh, his, the subtitle was like, what if Jesus like really meant what he, what he said? What if, what if we, because sometimes we treat it like it was just like, oh, this is like, Jesus is a great teacher, and those are some good suggestions. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I'm still going to be angry at that person. What if Jesus was, like, really serious about that? What if, what if it's like, yeah, Jesus is a great teacher, but, like, when I scroll through Instagram, I'm going to, like, look at pictures that maybe aren't super God-honoring. We have to take Jesus' commands seriously. We have to be obedient to Scripture. Uh, the next one is something that I've tried to, to raise the banner high for, and we're gonna conti- I'm going to continue to beat this drum. We're going to do it uh, today when we fellowship and we converse around tables, and it's that we are living a lifestyle of worship. And we have an opportunity to express our gratitude and our adoration of God on a, on a weekly, daily, hourly, minutely basis. That our worship to God is not confined to this space and it's not confined to the singing of songs and to the proclamation of God's word. It's a really small view because if God is the God of all things, if the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein of it, it's all God's. So anything pointed back to God can be worship. That means when we gather around tables in the gym after this and we converse about how God is working in our lives, guess what? That is worship. When we see, uh, see and savor Amanda's vegetable soup today, that is worship. You go, oh, this is a good grift. You didn't have to make food taste good, God, but you did. Oh, this is incredible. When you have a conversation around the table later today and and you're just talking about your kids or you're just talking about a movie you saw that really spoke to you or you really liked and you and you are able to step back and go these are good gifts from God's of God's grace and uh, I am seeing and savoring his goodness in this moment. That is worship. It's all worship. We get to do it all the time. And so, yeah, sure, we're going to come in this space, we're going to sing songs, and we're going to proclaim God's word. But it's so much more than that. There's such a deeper life that we're being invited into. We receive the call from Jesus to love God with every single part of us. We recognize that worship is not contained to a time, a space, an action, but can be lived out through the adoration of God in everything we do. And we set our hearts towards worship in all that we do. Jesus says in Matthew 22, um, basically what is, he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? 
And his response is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything's, everything's wrapped up in there. That's how you worship God. So you love God, you love others, you look back towards him. It's all wrapped up in there. It's not, I say it all the time. I say it all the time. Following Jesus is not complicated. It's not easy all the time, but it's not complicated. We put a lot of hoops up in the way of like, I got to wake up and read our Bible super early and we got to do this. Those are all great and wonderful things. It's not complicated though. We don't, it's just like, okay, I, I love Jesus and I obey Jesus. I love my neighbor. I serve my neighbor. It's pretty much it, I think. It's all worship. And then the last thing, and this has been a, a newer conviction for me, but I, um, I, I think it's a good one. And that is the reality that God's table is big. It's a big table. And there is room for everyone at God's big table. We have an opportunity to be a visual and tangible representation of God's kingdom in the midst of a world that is drawing more and more lines of division every single day. Let me jump down to Matthew 28. Uh, Jesus is giving some parting instructions to his followers. And he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It'd be easy for us in our English to look at this and go, uh, Uruguay, Puerto Rico, Haiti, France, Pakistan, fill in the blank of the country. If you look a little, a little that's not a thing that, was, that, that existed. And so uh, that, that's better defined as like people groups. People groups who are um, unique languages, cultures, uh, existence with one another. Uh, but the invitation is not to get caught up on how we're defining who we're supposed to go reach. The invitation is to go reach them. And here's where I fell under conviction. Here's where I fell under conviction. Uh, God's table is really, really big. And there is room for all sorts of backgrounds. There's room for all sorts of family of origins. There's room for all sorts of stuff. But as I look around at our midst, I don't know how fully we are reflecting God's kingdom. I don't know how fully we're reflecting God's kingdom. Uh, and I don't think anyone has ever been, uh, no, you can't show up here uh, because of how you look or because of how you talk or because of the background. I don't think anyone has ever done that. So I'm not hear me what I'm saying. But here's what I do believe. I don't know if we're going out of our way enough to say there is room for you at this table because God says there's room for you at this table. God's kingdom is so expansive and so much bigger than the boundaries that we put on it in our head. And he's saying, come to me. So let's not put up walls that Jesus didn't put up. Let's not put up barriers that Jesus isn't trying to maintain. So we receive the call from Jesus to go and make disciples of all people. And we recognize that God's table is big and there's room for everyone at it. And so we will actively reach out to those who are both like us and those who are different than us to share the hope of the gospel with them. And this is one of those things that it's going to be awkward 
and it's going to be clumsy, and you're going to have to lay down your preferences, and we're going to have to go, I don't, I did not grow up singing songs like that. I did not grow up talking like that. I didn't grow up like that, but guess what? Other people did, and just because it's your experience doesn't make it right. So we're going to open up our hands, we're going to open up our doors, and we're going to say there's going to be people here who are just different than us, and we're going to be okay with it. Because if you're not okay with people who are different than us showing up here, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're, you're going to have a miserable time in eternity because there's going to be people who are different than us. God's table is big. So we're going to make room for everyone. We're going to live a lifestyle of worship to recognize it's all worship. It's all honoring to God. We're going to obey scripture. We're going to abide in Jesus. We're going to practice faithful presence. We're going to be a unified family.